Good morning, my beloved Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? It is always a pleasure to worship our great God with you. Uh, I tell you, every week, I just so love our worship team and the music that they bring to us, but more importantly, bring to the Lord to remind us of uh, who he is and what he has done. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me today to Ephesians chapter 2. Today's the last uh, of the sermon series of Here is the Church. Uh, Today, we're going to start in Ephesians 2 and look at a couple of different passages to really show us who we are and what God is calling us to do. Begin with a couple questions. What would God bring to show and tell? What would God bring to show and tell? Well, let me tell you, he'd bring his masterpiece. That's what he'd bring. He'd bring his masterpiece. Well, what is his masterpiece? It's you and me. It's those whom Jesus has died for. It's his rescued children. Those who have been created in Christ Jesus. Those he's called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what he'd bring. I'm convinced of it. What, if he had, what would he bring to the science fair? What would Jesus bring uh, or God bring uh, to the science fair? Again, I think it's, it's us. It's the church. Can you picture him there in the fair, a little booth? And there he is. They said they come by and say, okay, what do you have here? Well, this is the church. And they probably would ask questions like that. You know, what is it? All right, it's the church. Well, how did you make it? I made it by my grace. I made it through the life, death, and resurrection of my son. I made it in Christ Jesus. Well, well, what is it supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to do good works. It's supposed to serve. It's supposed to worship. Well, how does it work? It's amazing. It allows my light to shine in and through it into a dark world. Why? So that the whole earth would be filled with God's glory. That is who we are. And that is why we are here. The church, we are, according to God's word, we are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. And we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to to serve one another. This is what God has prepared in advance so that we should walk in them. It should be like our life. This is what we are created to do, to love him and to love one another, to serve him and to serve one another. That's what it means to be the church. Let's read God's word. We're going to start in Ephesians 2. Verses 8 and 10, Anna read that, a part of that. She started in verse 1 and read uh, that through 10. This is a little bit of a different translation. From there, we'll go to Galatians 9 and 1 Peter 4. Uh, There are passages also for you in the bulletin if you want to follow along that way. But my beloved church, hear God's word for us this morning. For by God's grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap 
if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith or the church. And lastly, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, for your glory, for your glory both now and forever, would you come and would you join your people? Would you come and be with us in the spirit of the living God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and be here among us? And would you be pleased even to speak through a broken sinner like me? Your word just told us that those who speak, speak the oracles of God. I mean, those are the words of God. That's, that's such an intimidating thing for a preacher to realize that we stand before your people representing you. And God, I acknowledge on my own, I will fail. But even in this passage, you said, according to your strength. So God, for your glory and through your strength, and for your namesake, would you give us ears to hear your voice, every one of us. And God, would you give us minds to understand your word, every single one of us. Those who have been marinating this in this word for a long time and those this might be the first day it's ever been opened to them. And Father, for each one of our hearts, would you still them? Would you quiet them? Would you prepare them to be filled? Filled with your love. Filled with your truth and your word. So that we can embrace and love you back. And God, would you be with us in, a, in, in such a way that we could walk out of here in a manner worthy of your name. This, this whole passage that we're looking to will, will show us that we are to walk in a certain way. And that means our lifestyle is to reflect who we are and, and Jesus, what you have done. So, so may our very lives be your aroma. May our very lives be your story. May our very lives be the temple of the Holy Spirit in a way that others may see you as they see us. And God, I pray that the things I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, those things will be forgotten and fall away quickly. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the gospel of Jesus Christ, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior. And it's in his precious name that we pray, amen. If you want to follow along with me at the outline, there's one there in your bulletin for you. And the first thing we're going to see is this, is that we are created, created in Christ to serve. I mean, one thing Paul makes it very, very clear in this passage as we look back to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, is that salvation is completely by God's grace. We are who we are, not because of who we are and what we do. We are who we are in God's eyes. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece because God's so gracious. God is so loving. It's all 
everything about Christianity, everything about salvation is by God's grace through faith, not by works. Paul makes this very, very clear. So as we begin, we're going to talk about the church. And hey, we are the church. We're supposed to be working. And this is what we're to do. But we can't start with the fact we got to work. We have to start with the fact of, well, how do we get here? All by God's grace. All because of what his son has done. And then ask the question, well, what does it mean to be created in Christ? Interesting. We are his workmanship. All of creation is God's workmanship, is it not? Is there one thing that's not God's workmanship? I mean, God spoke and everything came into existence, but this is a, this is a special masterpiece of God because why? We are created in Christ Jesus. Well, you see, Jesus is the object of our salvation. It's all by God's grace through faith, but it's Jesus is how we are created. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting because sin has had such an effect on you and me. It has so separated us from the holy God that we need a complete do-over, a complete reset, a complete new being for us to know and love God as he is intended. How bad are we apart from Jesus? Let's, let's start with that. How bad are we? Because, you know, you're pretty good people. I mean, look around. You're, you're you know, probably tax-paying, uh, church-going, uh, God-fearing people. But how bad are we without Jesus? It was so bad that he had to die. Don't forget that. Listen, it was so bad. We are so far separated from God by our sins that he had to die the death we deserve for us to be made alive in him. How bad was it for us to be created in Christ that took a cross? How much does he love us? He loved us enough that he was willing to do it. So the amazing thing is this, is we are saved by God's grace through faith and in Christ we are made new. It says that now in Christ, if we have faith in him as our Lord and Savior, we're a new creation. you got to hear this. For some of you, this might be new. And for those who it's not, you can't forget how incredible this is. That God says that now that we are made new, that, that God has taken all of our sin and he's, he's separated them from us. As far as the east is from the west. Here's what it means. You will never stand before God and your sin will never be what identifies you. Your sin will never be what defines you. That in Christ Jesus, that he not only died for you, he lived for you. And because he lived for you and he fulfilled the the requirements of a holy God, you and I are declared not guilty. And we're declared righteous. And we're declared his own. That's an amazing good work of what God has done for us. And why did he do it? He did it so that we can now be created in Christ Jesus to do that which God always intended us to do. The things, the good works, to be the church that he's called us to do. Good works are the fruit of salvation. It's the consequence of it, the cause of it. It's never never the reason why we become saved. Works, say it this way, works are the requisite of our faith, not a prerequisite of our faith. As pastor and theologian John Stott once said, good works are indispensable to salvation, not its grounds or means, but as its consequence and evidence. Basically saying that, man, this Christianity gig, it's all by God's grace. But it all has a reason. And the reason is that we're going to be telling his story. You probably want to ask, well, what are good works? What does it mean that we are in Christ Jesus, his workmanship? We've been created in Christ Jesus. What does it mean that we are created for good works? Well, I'll say it this way. Maybe you want to write it down. It's, it's doing the right thing for the right reasons. 
That's very, very important of doing the right things for the right reasons. Doing the right things for the wrong reason, think of Pharisees as not helpful. Doing the wrong thing for right reasons, like stealing, not helpful. Uh, but we ought to do the right things for the right reasons, and that is basically serving God as we serve one another. You know, when it talks about we are created for good works, it says that we are to walk in them. This is to walk, in which God has prepared us to walk. Ephesians 2.1 starts off this way, that we were originally dead in our trespasses and sins and our former way of walking. God is basically saying you have a lifestyle. You have a way of walking. You're going to do one of two things. If you're a child of God, you are to walk or to live or to be a certain way. And the way that your lifestyle should be is to continually walk in good works. Good works aren't something that we have like a checklist. Yeah, I got to give to the poor, check. I got to make sure I do my service hours, check. I mean, good works aren't to be a checklist we go through or something that we occasionally do. This because of such a radical transformation of the gospel in our lives. This should be who we are. This is our being. It says we used to, our former life, before we knew Christ, we walked in deadness and trespasses and sins. That's the way we are. It's an interesting image that Paul uses throughout the epistle of the Ephesians. He tells us to walk in love. It says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and, and walk in love. He goes on to say in that passage that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the name of Jesus. The whole bottom line is basically this. Our lifestyle as Christians, those who have been set free because of what Christ has done, is to be living a life of good works. It even tells us that before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4, that's an incredible passage. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us. He called us out, not because of anything we did. He chose us in him. But how did he choose us? He says it chose us to be holy and blameless. Here's the point. It took God, the sacrifice of his son, to make us who we are. We are beautiful in his sight. And now that we are who we are, he's called us to do that which he's always intended us to do, to walk in love, to walk with him. It's a lifestyle. First thing we see, church, is this, is that you and I, if we are his, we are created to serve. We are created for good works. This is why Christ has come to present us back to the Father. The second thing is this. We are gifted to serve. 1 Peter 4.10 again tells us that each one of us has received a gift. Uh, Each one of us has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.7 says each one of us has been given a gift for the common good. So if you're a child of God, here's the reality. You're loved, you're cleansed, you're rescued, but there's more. You're gifted. God has gifted you. There's not one of you who sits here who can't say, well, it doesn't apply to me. I don't have the gifts. I, I can't do what you do or can't do what they do. No, every single one of you as a child of God has been given a gift, a gift to serve Christ, serve his church, and to serve the world. These are the gifts that we are to, to now walk in. This is how we are to exercise it. Why? For the church to flourish. You know, so many of us think that church is something we come to. Okay, it's Sunday. I got about an hour and a half. I'll go. Uh, I might come to worship. Hey, maybe something else is coming on. 
I, I may not be able to go. Uh, we give announcements. We tell you the things that are going on in the church, and you kind of make a decision. Does it fit me or does it not fit me? Does it fit my schedule or does it not fit my schedule? Is this convenient or not convenient? We got we to gotta just completely change that mindset. Let me remind you, we are the church. Not just some of us, we are the church. And as a church, we have a responsibility. And every single one of you, young people, old people, and everybody in between, you and I have been gifted to serve one another and serve God. This is what we're to do. The church will never flourish unless each of us is utilizing what God has given us to serve. I love what 1 Corinthians 12 says. Paul writes there, he says, you know, there's some gifts that seem weak. There's some gifts that, that seem not necessary. And he says this, to the weak gifts, they're indispensable. Let me tell you what that means. You, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're indispensable for our health. You coast, we coast. You know, you're not in, we're not where we're supposed to be. We together, each one has been gifted, each one is invaluable, each one is to serve. But there's a primacy of serving. If we go back to that Galatians 6, it says this. It tells us that we shouldn't grow weary in doing good, that we shouldn't give up, that due season will reap a reward. But he says this. It says we should serve everyone. Who, who should we love? Who should we serve? Those who look like us, those who vote like us, those who think like us. Uh, those who smell like us, those whatever. It says in Scripture, we're to serve everyone. If they're an image bearer of God, they have worth. If they, have, they reflect who God is, we are to serve everyone. But, I love this, it says, but, especially, primarily, and the Greek word is there, it's, it's like in priority, for the first ones you should serve is the household of faith. The first ones you serve is the family. Take care of your family. If, if there's ever a man and woman who serves a community at the expense of their children and their family, you say, you got it all wrong. It doesn't matter what you do out there until what you do in here. And so true with us, the first and foremost is to serve the body, to serve the church. God has given you gifts so that we together would flourish. Not just us, but also the world. We serve the world as the church because we're the ones who've been called out. We're the ones to be salt. We're the ones to be the light of the world. Why? So the world will see us and they'd praise us. Eh. So they see us and think highly of us. Eh. So they see us and they would praise God and they would think highly of him. Let me ask you a couple questions. How do you make the bride of Christ more beautiful? I mean, you've been called here and you've been gifted. How do you, how do you make, let's say if you remember, how do you make Orangewood more beautiful? Because that's what it's called to be the church. I mean, we are to, to present the bride glorious. And we got some of the, the low-hanging fruit. Well, I do nursery duty. That's, we ask you to do that. And hey, I do tear down, and we do ask you to, to do that. Um, I want you to know our deacons are clamoring for everything from ushers and volunteers and, and, and folks that can help in, in all kinds of ways. But the really question I think you need to answer is, how do you make the church more beautiful? Because you're a part of it. And God has gifted you. Listen, the good news is you don't have to use anybody else's gifts. You don't have to do anybody else's part. But how are you making the, God, the bride of Christ beautiful to God? The second question I think we have to ask with this is, how do we make the gospel beautiful to the world? How are you living life in a way that is reflecting who you are and whose you are? How are you making the gospel beautiful? 
beautiful to the world. And again, here's really good news. It doesn't mean you have to be Jesus. You can't be. Be someone really in love with Jesus. Let the world see, let be free. Let the world see what a sinner looks like redeemed. Let them know that, man, I am so needy of Jesus. But how are you making the gospel beautiful to the world? That's why God has called us. We have different ministry partners. Uh, Maggie came up and talked about utilizing her gift, and now they're down at the uh, uh, rescue mission. And what, what a great opportunity to serve the world and to be the hands of Christ. I see J- Julie Meyer, and she works down at True Life Choice, one of our ministry partners. I see Stan Petkavich, who does Elevate Orlando and help students in, in high-risk areas. I mean, there's so many of you that, that are serving. Uh, so thank you and for making the gospel beautiful in our community. We have, if you don't know how to, we have ways that you can serve. Uh, little red bags to help serve Seminole County students that are hungry. There's, there's a, uh, uh, in the foyer, you'll find a, a little pamphlet, booklet, that will tell you all of our ministry partners. Which one do you pray for? Which one do you know? Which one do you love? Which one are you part of? And for many of you, you have, you're being the church outside of what we have. There's so many, I'm so proud of you. So many of you say, well, I'm serving this way. That's great, wherever God has called you. But remember, if you're the church, the questions you need to ask is, how am I making the church beautiful to God? And how am I making the gospel beautiful to the world? Because you've been gifted to serve. But there's even more. We're empowered to serve. I, I, I love this. Again, this First Peter 4 passage that reminds us uh, that it's God's grace that we're saved. We've been told we, God's grace that we stand. But even this, it says this, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Very important, don't miss this. By the strength that God supplies so God can get all the glory. What does this mean? Again, Christianity is truly all about grace. By grace, through faith, we're saved. By grace, we are recreated in Christ Jesus. By grace, we've been gifted to serve. And now, amazingly, you hear what it says? Amazingly, it now says that God will give us the strength to do that which he's called us to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit in us to even serve. I want you to hear this. Maybe even write this one down. God wants us to do nothing on our own and take credit for nothing by ourselves. God wants us to do nothing on our own and take credit for nothing on our, by ourselves. Basically, he's saying this. We are to live our lives walking with him, walking in the spirit. This isn't something that we guilt ourselves into or try to muster up strength to go serve. Okay, the preacher's up there telling us we got to serve. Oh, man, I'm really retired. Oh, man, if you only knew how bad things are. Oh, man, I'm just exhausted. Listen, don't serve God out of guilt. It'll do you harm. Don't serve him because you feel like you got to earn something. It'll mess you up. He's not asking you that. God's not asking you to earn anything. Just don't, don't forget it. God's not asking you to say, I sent my son on the cross, therefore earn this. He says, no, I've rescued you, now walk with me. Walk with me, give me your life. I'm gonna give you the energy that you're gonna need. I'm gonna give you the strength that you need. I'm gonna give you even the opportunities that you have. That's really good news. 
See, see, the reality of God giving us the strength should keep us from two important things. It should keep us from guilt and should keep us from pride. It should be keep us from guilt because the reality is that some of you right now don't have the strength to go down to do different projects. And it's okay. I love what it says in Galatians 6. It says in seasons, in time, Greek word kairos, it's a, it's a time when, when God allows you to be there. And I'm looking at some of you, and I know some of you in your current situation, your message today isn't do more. You're going to say, God, you've gifted me to serve. I'll do it when you give me opportunities, but you know what's going on in my family right now. You know, what's, you, you know where I am when at, you know, I'm in critical care. If you're in critical care, let others do, be the church to you. Okay? So it should keep you from guilt. And I want to tell you, we have an enemy who hates you and wants you to hear this message and wants you to be really guilty for what you don't do. That's not your pastor. I'm not trying to guilt any of you, but more importantly, God's not. I mean, he's calling us to examine our lives. There should be some uncomfortable moments in preaching. There should be some, ooh, man, I'm selfish. And boy, do I need to repent. But the reality is, guilt is not what he uses to leverage us to move. It's love. But the second thing is, it should keep us from pride. Because it's by the power that God supplies us that we do anything, right? It's all by God's grace. It's by God's grace that your lungs are filling up with oxygen right now. It's by God's grace that your heart is still beating. It's by God's grace that your brain is waving. It's by God's grace you're alive. You you and I can take credit for nothing. And if you're going down to serve somebody else so it makes you feel good, I mean, that's, that's repugnant to God. That's really dangerous because if you're doing it for your own self-righteousness so you have something to, to bargain with God about, that's, you miss the gospel. The gospel is about the grace of God, what he's done in and through us. And now we have the privilege of walking with him. We are empowered by him. Make sense? That's where good news gets real good news. And that's what separates a, a guilt-driven, legalistic-driven uh, call. We, it's not us. We, we are called by God's grace to respond. And why? For the glory of God that we serve. Lastly, for the glory of God that we serve. Through the work of Jesus, we are the church. And through the work of Jesus, here's basically, I love this, it's basically saying, we're back on track. Do you know that God has had one plan for the earth? One. He hasn't changed his mind. He's only had one plan for the earth. You know what his plan has been is and forever will be to fill the earth with his glory. I mean, that was the plan in the beginning. That is the plan now, and that will be the plan until he brings that to fruition, to fill the earth with his glory. We are back on track. It's now saying, hey, you have been recreated in Christ to do that which God has always intended for you to do. Know and love him and share that love with others. To fill the earth with the glory of God. How do we do that? It sounds so intimidating, doesn't it? Well, here's how we do it. We fill it with his love. We remind the world of how amazingly loving he is to sinners like us and sinners like them. We fill it with his reign and rule. Well, what does that mean? That means that we realize that Christ is our king. He's got a right of our life. And we want his kingdom to come. We want his will to be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. So we live in submission to him. We live on mission for him. We fill the earth with his image. Well, what does that mean? We, we are his image. We are recreated in Christ and we reproduce. We basically say we evangelize and we start with our families. 
We fill it with his praise and worship, as it will be, just like it's right now going on in heaven, it's ceaseless praise. And one day on earth will be ceaseless praise. And we have the ones to be practicing. We're the choir ahead of the, the big show. And we fill the earth with his, with his glory by singing his praises. Even this morning as I was reading in my Valley of Vision, it's a little compilation of Puritan prayers. It's one of my favorite little excerpts out of there. It says this, while Jesus is representing me or us in heaven, may we reflect him on earth. Here's some really good news. Right now, Jesus is in heaven, represents us. And we have the privilege of representing him here on earth. And while Jesus pleads my cause in heaven, may I sing his praises on earth. As, as Jesus is pleading, it says he lives to intercede for us. As he's pleading for us before the throne, we have the privilege of singing his praises here on earth. I guess really what we got to step back and say, are you filling the corner of your earth with his glory? Forget the whole earth. Let's just talk about your corner, your home, your workspace, your community. The only way you are going to do that is being created in Christ Jesus, being gifted to serve Christ Jesus, and being empowered to serve. Tim Keller writes it this way. The gospel leads us to do the right thing, not for our sake, but for God's sake, for Christ's sake, out of a desire to know, resemble, please, and love the one who saved us. This kind of motivation can only grow in a heart deeply touched by grace. The church, Orangewood Church, is to fill this earth with his glory. How do we do that? We are to tell his story. We are to share his love. We are to represent his presence here on earth. Well, let's close by asking a couple questions. One of the membership vows that we take for this church is you're, you're going to support the church to the best of your ability in its worship and work. How are you doing? How are you making the bride beautiful? How are you making the gospel beautiful? If we were his science project, if he just picked us as all the church universal to bring Orangewood to the science fair and say, here's my church, what kind of grade do you think we'd get? I remember in middle school playing basketball with Greg Orlando. He's now a doctor. Greg was always really smart, tall, smart. And somehow... And I promise I didn't do it on purpose, but somehow his report card got in my bag and my report card got in his bag. And I came home with the best report card I've ever gotten, although it wasn't mine. My parents wanted to put it on the refrigerator. They wanted to see those numbers and those letters that they've never seen before. And somewhere in New Hartford, New York, Greg Orlando was getting a beating of his lifetime. <laughs> Church. We get to turn in Jesus' report card. And it wasn't a mistake. It was by design that he exchanged it with us. And he exchanged with us this, this failing grade and he gave us the perfection. And that's now how he wants to motivate us to, to know and live and serve him as the church because we've been free. Let us pray. Father, you've called us to represent you, Oof. to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world.
to be your storytellers, to be your love sharers, to be those that your presence can be seen through us. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and remind us that we have been recreated in Christ and we are his masterpiece. We have been gifted to serve. We've been empowered to serve. And what a privilege we have now to be the church, not in guilt, not for pride, but for the glory of God. God, we long that our community would look at us and see you. I don't even care if they forget our name. All they say is there's that place over there, that Maitland, that somewhere in that North Orlando. They're just, they give. They serve. And they just don't do it to point to themselves. Everything they do just makes us look up. Makes us see Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. And make your bride beautiful. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. And make the gospel beautiful. And come and empower us to be your ambassadors to make that happen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.